Dermot and Dave. Conversation, crack, and the music you love. Today FM. It all happens here. Today FM. Now, in a very visual world, being visually impaired can be incredibly difficult. Tomorrow is International Day of Persons with Disabilities, and the focus is on inclusive development. For David Nason, this is his life and his job, actually. He's the accessibility lead with Sky Ireland and former blind tennis captain. Good morning, David Nason. Morning. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks so much for having me. Delighted to be here. So you've teamed up with Sky. You're doing some important work there in terms of accessibility. What kind of um, work are you doing with them? So I work in Sky Ireland for the customer experience team. So our role is kind of to be the voice of the customer and look at everything from a customer point of view. And within that, then I am an accessibility lead. So I look at disability inclusion in particular and inclusion generally and make sure that everything we do we're considering everybody's needs and not just I guess the Mm. so-called majority. In terms of your own experience uh, I know you're very au fait with tech but in your own experience have things really improved or is there a lot more work to do in terms of um, you know making things accessible for people with visual impairments? Uh, Things have definitely moved forward. Technology itself is a massive um, I suppose enabler or you know equaliser because I can use the same iPhone that you can use, but it, I just use it with different settings on it. And I can use all those, a lot of the same apps, you know, that you could use. So it's been, yeah, there's been a lot of improvement, I'd say, over the last kind of 10 years and, and that. And in Sky, we've been really, you know, striving to make improvements and offer more kind of services and yeah, features I, for people. I think about the Sky features, the obvious ones would be subtitles for people who maybe can't hear exactly what they're, they're looking at or listening to. And then obviously there's the audio descriptions, which I know help visually impaired people. And um, what other things does Sky have, though? Um, yeah, we have a few. So actually, audio description will be the big one for me personally mm. as a visually impaired uh, viewer. And if people don't know what that is, that's like it adds a narration track to what you're watching. So if you can't see what's happening, it describes what's um, between the dialogue, describes what's happening. So that's huge. And sorry, just to clarify, do Sky do that? Do the program makers do that? Do the networks do that? Who creates the audio description? Uh, we do it in-house. Right. In Sky, yeah. But then we also support, you know, if you're watching a show on RTE or something, they will do their own. Mm. Um, but for Sky channels, we would do our own audio description okay. and subtitling as well. We also have, sorry, uh, a thing called voice guidance, which is... Yeah. is a feature which will read out the menus to you. So again, if you can't read the menus on the screen, it's actually speaking the items out for you and this kind of high contrast options, things like that as well. We have a a different remote control that people can use. So if you can't um, press the buttons easily on a remote, uh, we have a larger one. And I think a huge one as well now, which is a really good example of if you design something for people with a particular need but can actually help everybody is voice control. Yeah. If you're like, I can't, you know, someone who can't actually use the remote control, they can't press the buttons, they can say, hello, Sky, go to BBC One or show me the World Cup and it will do it. Um, I can perfectly use the buttons remote, but since I got Sky Glass, I don't do that exactly. ever. I literally use my voice for everything. <laughs> and uh, what's hilarious is my wife has always had a problem for some reason talking to technology, whether it's an Amazon smart speaker, a Google this or an Apple that. And same now with this guy. For some reason, she it just won't understand. And she just gets more and more frustrated. Her voice gets more garbled. <laughs> I think it's never going to be able to listen to her. And I have to come in and just calmly go, hello, Sky. RTE2 HD and it just goes <laughs> bing perfect yeah in terms of your own site uh, you were diagnosed with something called RP what's that? 
So it stands for, you made me say the words. <laughs> He's a clever man there. <laughs> Retinitis pigmentosa, it stands for. And essentially, it means the cone cells and rod cells, I, I always mix up which it is, mm. are dying away on the back of the retina uh, slowly as I get older. So, so it's a genetic condition. It is, yeah. Mm. And oh, it's uh, also degenerative. Would that mean, does that yeah. mean you were born with sight? So yeah, when I was a kid, I would have been running around, playing chasing, cycling my bike, right. you know, playing football, all that. And then as I got older, um, it started to get worse. Night vision is very poor from a very young age. But for me, it was really when I was a teenager, it started to get particularly bad. Um, and I started to struggle to say, see faces and mm. things like recognize my friends in the classroom, that kind of thing, or read the blackboard that kind of stuff and, and um, what age were you when you were diagnosed I was 14 and I'm 40 now so mm, okay. it's been a progression and I still have some residual vision but mm -hmm. my central vision is gone so I'm kind of looking directly at you now Dave but yeah. I can't see you at all but if I turn my head I can kind of see you okay that's really interesting but I wouldn't recognise you it sure that makes sense see there's a person there a, a, a person's shape yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. When you say it's genetic, did anyone in your family have it before you or did you hear of anyone in your extended family who've, who had it? Funnily enough, not. And RP itself is quite an umbrella term. So a lot of people who have RP have the opposite of me. They have tunnel vision. Um, so they have nothing on the peripheral but just see down the centre. And it comes in a lot of different flavours. It's kind of um, recessive genes and dominant genes and things like that. So in mine is a sort of, it's called X-linked recessive. And that basically means it came through the maternal line but it only affects men who actually get the gene so mm. we haven't actually had any other anyone else in the family with mm. it enough. Uh, you took part in fact you captained Ireland in something called blind tennis mm. and that sounds intriguing how does blind tennis work you'd recognize it as tennis but it's you know similar courts similar rules same rules but the ball is kind of spongy, a bit larger and spongy, so it moves mm. a lot slower and it has a rattle in it, so mm. you can hear the ball. Um, okay. And do you get very good attuned to where the sound is is activating that you can tell how fast the ball is moving? To a point, the good players do. <laughs> <laughs> well, you were a captain for Ireland, you must have been all right. I was okay, but uh, there's definitely far better players. And they're totally, I'm in a category called B2, which means I have a certain amount of low vision. And then there's higher ones than me, B3, B4, okay. which have more vision again. And B1 are the totally blind players. And some of them are, it's incredible to watch. These yeah. people they can't see anything at all and they're managing to rally. It's its absolutely incredible. Yeah, but blind golf is something we've talked about, mm. I think, on the show before as well. That, that again, uses the, uh, the sound of a ball. That it's not, it's not just a regular ball, it makes a sound and therefore people can track it and understand where they are on the course and all that kind of stuff. It's phenomenal what people can do. Yeah, and the they, ball's not coming at you though. Well, that's, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's, well, it's another unless element. Unless someone is playing it really badly, maybe it is. But yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. really um, liberating though because it's, it's rare that I can just go out on my own and run around a court yeah. and feel safe and know I'm not going to like well, I mean, I had one or two trips, but that was... <laughs> you were told like everybody, but, I suppose, yeah, yeah, yeah. But generally, it's, yeah, it's very liberating. And adapting like you had to do for, as a teenager when your vision got worse and worse, was there anything in that that was particularly difficult or anything that you particularly took to very quickly that was that was easier than you thought it might be? I think it's, yeah, psychologically really, really difficult. And it's actually a theme we're marking in Sky this year mm. around this international day is kind of masking and kind of covering your, your side loss in my case. So I would have you know, almost pretended I could see more than I could. Okay. I would have, like, pretended I was taking things down from the blackboard even sometimes. I was... Because 
I wanted to fit in, you know what I mean? Yeah. And you feel like that's what you want. You want to, you fear people not accepting you for who you are. Particularly as a teenager, yeah. Yeah, and even, yeah, like it can happen. In, and there's probably loads of people you know that have different conditions. It might be a low vision condition or it might be hearing loss or it could be chronic fatigue syndrome I've heard of. And people kind of just braving it out because they don't want to stand out. Mm. Um, but actually, when I, I discovered as I got older, um, there's a story from college actually where a friend of mine said, you know, um, such and such was waving at you in the library and like she thinks you're kind of ignorant now because you didn't wave back at her. <laughs> and I kind of read, yeah, she didn't realise because you were hiding how, how little you saw that she didn't actually realise you wouldn't see her. You know, that kind okay, of way. So when I started be, yeah. carrying a cane and actually letting people see me using assistive technology and people talking about it and people suddenly my life actually became easier when yeah. I had feared it would make it more difficult mm. yeah that makes sense yeah tomorrow Saturday is International Day of Persons with Disabilities the theme is quite a long one but I'll read it out it's <laughs> transformative solutions for inclusive development the role of innovation in fueling an accessible and equitable world which I think we can kind of you know narrow down to the use of technology and the use of the amazing equipment that we all have but how we can make the world as you said earlier on more equal yeah, and I think it's it's when you're designing something, are you thinking of everybody, mm. I think is a key message. So like you're designing a new app or you're designing a website or a physical product or whatever it is, it's very easy and I would do it too. I have to be mindful of thinking about what's the experience going to be like for other people um, who can see. <laughs> you know yeah, I mean? of course. Uh, when I'm doing an Excel sheet, I'm always, or a PowerPoint deck, I'm thinking of, I'm having the reverse. And it, what we want is that everybody, no matter what they're doing, are thinking of that in, in, in each direction, you know, thinking mm. about how it will be for other people. Uh, well, look, uh, we look forward to tomorrow, the International Day of Persons with Disabilities, and uh, thank David Nason, Accessibility Lead with Sky Ireland. Thanks very much for coming in and talking to us today. Thanks so much for having me. Dermot and Dave. Weekdays from 9am. Today.